Hey there, Shopper Maniacs. You're listening to another episode of Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave in the auctioneer booth. <laughs> Rupert and with me is Chris Coyer. Hey, Chris. Hey, Dave. Can I get five? Can I get ten? Can I get ten? Can I get ninety-five? Ninety-five. Um, Feels fair. I've done it. Have you ever uh, done an auction? Like, have you ever been asked to do that? Like, auctioneer in auction? I've never been asked to do it. No, I've heard it. I've heard it before. And there are, you know, there are some better than others. You know, the ones that are real, actually just kind of mumbling. You know, you're like, yeah, but like when you're really good at it, it's almost boomhauery. You know, you are saying stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just really quickly. I have been asked to do it. And I actually have a friend that does it. Uh it, he's really good at it. But um he and he like gets invited to like Hollywood and crap to like go to these auctions. But anyway, but I I've done it before, but I've realized my weakness is doing math on the fly. So it's like somebody's like uh $100. I'm like What's the next number? I have no idea how to do a number after this. What are we going? We that going is up kind of the whole point, right? Can I get a 101 or whatever that kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. 109, 109. I want to see 109. You know, and then yeah. like, how do you? I, I just can't. Anyway, I can't do the math. Wasn't the micro machines guy? Wasn't he? Was he just fast talking or was he auctionary? He must have been in. He, he had to do that on the side. But I think he just was a fast talker. He just worked on talking the fast. Came up yesterday somehow in conversation. So now it's going to somebody else. One more person is going to say something about fast talking today. Just so that I get the triple, you know, things, they happen in threes. Oh, you, yeah. Get the old wives tale kind of triple things happen yeah. in threes thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, somebody will. Uh, I have a story. Uh, mm-hmm. It's weather related. I don't, what talking about weather on the podcast is not my favorite thing, but the AC in my shed went out. The other day, and uh, does that make it, it wholly unusable? It seems like well, it would. Uh, when God um, closes a shed, sometimes He opens a sauna. You know, you got to think of uh, you know uh, on the bright <laughs> side. It's 108 here in Austin, Texas, so it was getting oh, pretty hot. My God! And apparently, I there was a Freon leak like out of the front, the blower side. So I've just been huffing Freon for God knows how long, all summer long. But uh, oh my God! Anyway, it's fixed now, and I want to thank the uh, folks at Backyard Office who built my shed. Uh, they they treated me very nice and got it all fixed up in a, in a very uh, quick manner. So. They, so they're, they're cool. The, the shed so. people are the are the, the HVAC people too. They well, I just called them because I was like, I don't know if I have a warranty or anything, you know. And they were like, Let me see here. And so, um, yeah. Mm. But they they I think they've like switched historically switched to a oh they have a new model shed. Maybe I need to look at that. Oh. Um, uh, <laughs> get a new one. Um, it's the executive model. Um, but I need to, uh, anyway, uh, it's backyardoffice.com if you're interested in looking, but it's, it's shopping, but, um, I was going to, anyway, I just was like, what's going on? And apparently, you know, these mini split ACs, apparently there's, it, it got me thinking about like, like services, but like you, or component frameworks and stuff like that too. Like you can buy a $900 one, $700 one on the internet, you know, and, and I had an AC guy and the guys who actually replaced mine, they were like, Hey, you know, is it an online one or is it a Mitsubishi? You know, like that was the, those were the two versions, you know, and Daikin was another one, a Korean brand, but 
online or Mitsubishi. And they were, and I was like, oh, I guess it's an online one. And they're like, yeah, like these are hard to service. You have to order parts from far away. The, the there's no customer service line or you like it's very understaffed or it's like uh you know uh, or straight up just not in this country you know what i mean so mm. anyway they were just it, the replaceability by going with a big brand name was very interesting to me you know like they they were like hey if you go with this you can get get this thing replaced and it had me I don't know, maybe have some thoughts about like component frameworks or any JavaScript sort of thing we use, you know, it's like bigger, the better in a way, sort of, which is not my attitude, but I was kind of like, well, if you need it, like a part replaced, <laughs> like you probably want to go with something that is uh, well known. Yeah, yeah. You know? A buddy of mine was stuck traveling, you know, he's in Las Vegas. I was in Vegas for the weekend and mm-hmm. great time. Anyway, he's trying to get back to San Diego. You know, there's a hurricane uh, mm-hmm. west. Everything's mm-hmm. fine in nature, though. <laughs> yeah. wow. wow. Hurricanes Nature's on the west coast now. Really good. neat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in a heat dome. There's a hurricane out west. All yeah. flights are canceled. He's like, I'll rent a car. You know, what are you mm-hmm. going to do? You know, I'll, I'll drive it. You know, like, effect, winds affect cars a little less. All the all the cars are gone. Of course they are. Ooh. You know, well, yeah. bummer situation. But a guy's like, you need a car? I, I'll get you a, you know. There's like, there's like small timey car renters at the airport being like, being like, yeah, I'll drum up some business. It's a big opportunity for me, the small guy. But it was the the same kind of vibe, right? Like, let's say they're legit, which, you know, if they ask you to pay for your car in Bitcoin, let's say it's not, you know? Yeah, that seems like a not legit, probably stolen car, but go ahead. Right. But let's say they are real, (laughs) like throw all that away. They're just trying to drum up business for their much not Hertz level, not national level. They got to make a payment on their uh, 2012 Corolla. But still, who are you going to call if something goes wrong? Where Where do you return it? Is it some weird driveway somewhere? Cause it's probably not at LAX or what, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of thing that like, okay, maybe, maybe this works. Maybe they're going to fulfill a need. Maybe even the price is right, but you don't get what you get from the bigger players. So yeah, same kind yeah. of vibe a little bit. There's a little bit of a, a downgrade in what you, yeah, you know? Yeah. Anyway, use time, React. It's great. Use React. <laughs> so I think that we're at Next.js podcast now. So uh, we all enjoy no. it. Um, no, it's, but I could also go the uh, the other way. Like if you're in San Diego and you're going to get like fish, don't go to Chili's. Go to one of the smaller places that gets fresh fish. You know what I mean? So it can um, go the other way, can it? Oh gosh, all all metaphors are have been disproved. Uh, yeah, myth busted. So yeah. speaking of myth busters, I got you. Want me to? I'll give you a, a uh-huh. mouth blog that I've been working on. Okay. Uh, do you know Adam Savage, the myth buster? Adam Savage. There's I'm Jamie familiar. and Adam. Uh, and so Adam has this new YouTube channel called Tested, and they do kind of like a, a bunch of different stuff on there. Uh, it's kind of like continue this the maker spirit sort of and tech and, you know, making and stuff like that. Uh, Adam Savage does these things called one day builds. Have you Are you familiar with that? Like, like he basically says... It's one day I'm going to build something like a model, a movie replica, a Lego mm. set, uh, or a lot of it is okay. just like he's going to build a shelf for a shop. Like he's just going to reorganize his shop, you know? That's kind of neat. I like that. I'm kind of a one day blog post 
kind of guy, you know. See? I like yeah. scoping things down to to a certain level. So what he's not going to do is build a multi-level deck for his cabin, right? Cuz that's no. a that's a no. week long project or right. two or and a so month or whatever, yeah. I'm really attracted to this idea of one day builds. Like I I just, you know, and I did one last week like I Trent needed a little tool to like fake some data, not like for like <laughs> illegal purposes, but just for like better demonstrations, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just said, okay, today's the day I'm doing it, you know? And I built it in one day, shipped it and it was out. Only one person is ever going to use it. That's cool. Does it put fake data in, in Luro? That's kind of believable looking kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah I like that. Cause right now if like, um, I guess I can, <laughs> whatever. we, we just have, we have a component tracking technology now. So like you can basically track the rollout of your components on your live site. Like you basically, tell us what they are and how to find them and with CSS selectors and we'll go find them. And so then we'll like run counts and tallies and stuff like that. But if you don't update your website, like we do, we don't, it's just a flat line, you know, like, and so we are like, we could, it's a little more impressive if like the data sort of swoops or it looks like it's going up, you know, just for a demonstration. Which it might you know? if you're rolling so, out a design system or something. Yeah, right? if you're actually like building on a live site, it will move around quite a bit. But if you're mm. like whatever, three, four yahoos, you know, just kind of working on a website uh, intermittently, uh, then it doesn't move that much. But um, anyway... Very cool, um, but it just built a little tool to like fake the data for the demo, just so, just so we could like show whatever investors or potential customers or whatever, just kind of what it probably looks it like. It seems pretty smart, honestly. Any app that needs needs some data in it to like look like you're trying to, because you can always show your own, but then your own's gonna have like you know like a little bit of rough edges maybe to it i'm picturing yeah. something like apple you know they constantly have they're showing they're showing their mail app they're showing iMessage they're showing all these apps photo apps and stuff and they want to make it feel like that could be you mm-hmm. but of mm-hmm. course it has to be filled with very banal conversations you know or and like beautiful photos and and that kind of thing in like legal requirements like you have you can't use a real person's name you know or or like um, yeah, and and like, go. so if you look at the names, they're always the same or Microsoft always uses this company called Contoso in their demos, C-O-N-T-O-S-O. Uh, mm. And once you see it, you'll never unsee it. So, so I apologize. Okay. But anyway, Contoso and like, it's just because like, if you like say whatever, uh, Flickr, it's like, oops, that's copyrighted. We're sued, you know, and we use that on stage. You uh, know? So, right. Uh, but anyway, it's a. Uh, it's very cool. So Johnny Appleseed, isn't that their their Apple's person, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. I feel like I haven't seen that in a minute. But yeah, it was. Also, it feels yeah. a little too fake now. Maybe they a moved too on. too fake. But anyway. I was using this app the other day called... Um, called beeper i should write about it because i think i'm just about to to pull off of it i think i maybe originally saw it on cocky or something but it was a it's just it's an app that you'd assume exists but also kind of assume doesn't exist it's a it's a chat combiner app dave okay. beeper.com pretty cool name pretty cool url but let's say you use 
um, Slack and Discord and iMessage and Signal and WhatsApp and mm-hmm. Facebook all right Messenger yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of them. It's a little bit of a prolific period of it, uh, you know. But it's not. It doesn't seem to be have just exploded. It's been slowly exploding for a long time, showing real no signs of slowing down. Really, a little bit like social networking is happening. But like, so I, I guess the premise is: Wouldn't it be nice if there was just one app that smashed them all together? Um, not like adding one to it they're not they don't have beeper messaging they're they are mm-hmm. they just combine all of your your other ones yeah. into one and i was like that sounds a little too good to be true is there really apis for all of these that just work how is this the only thing that is doing this uh, but apparently there is because it does work i think it's still in in beta and i i got it working so and i, I just authorized everything maybe to my mm-hmm. Maybe that's a little dumb, but it was kind of nice to have, you know, like I never check my Instagram DMs, but I have Instagram. I post stuff there. So it's kind of nice to have a place that those just show up right next to all the rest of your messages. So you don't miss it. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, and even your Discord DMs and stuff. And I was kind of into the idea. I, I don't know what else to say other than like it felt like a, just a little unpolished and a little bit like you got a lot of messages that were like, our Facebook integration isn't working today. Don't worry. We'll let you know when it is kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah, you have to let people know that, but I also don't care. And I also, now this message is noise to me mm-hmm. and I don't need any more noise. So there's just like a little bit and it's early days. It's beta, you know, so maybe they'll get stuff up. but a clever idea. I thought of it only because they also have marketing that's full of faked data that shows what using this app is like, you know, like your tool that you built yeah, surely yeah. D- does this kind of thing. Well, I just, it's, it's weird when you start a company just all the, or are in a company, just all the like small things you have to do, you know, like, like, Oh, we need like an admin reporting tool. Oh, we need like a, we need like a, tool for faking data to whatever sell the product or, or even just streamline the screenshot making you know like like just uh, all these things like you're just uh you're busy you know and and then um yep, you know making yep, yep. videos and stuff like that it's just it all adds up man it's it's all uh it's hard to do with this well, small a little, team. little lucky on CodePen that's everything is you know there's so much public stuff. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of people that just have kick-ass profiles <laughs> that they just make and are intended to be public. Right, right. So, see, that's cool. We we probably a ways away from the public stuff, I'd say. But oh, you know, um, yeah, if ever, it's kind of a personal personal thing. Yeah. So, but anyway, one day builds. I'm a fan. One day builds. I, I just savage. Yeah. Because here's some bonuses too, right? You do a one day build. Guess what, Chris? You got a one day story. You got you got a blog post out of that because you did a one. You know, like and now your content engine's going. You know, and like you did thing one thing in one day, and maybe it spills to two days. But you're not like, man, I'm going to take a week to like build the app of my dreams, and then that takes a two weeks, a month, a year. You know, like like yeah. you're just like one day I'm going to do stuff, and you know, Adam Savage kind of like says like I don't just like jump into one days. I kind of like pre-think it all through, you know, like he background right. thinks all the stuff he needs and maybe sources some materials beforehand so that when he works on it, he can just boom, work on it. So that's the other kind of issue with like the workshop, you know, it's like, you know, you got to have your workshop in place, you know, like the tools right. you use, the tooling. And I think about like, 
you know, even like code bases and stuff like, man, wouldn't it be a one day build? Like we're finally updating NPM packages, you know, like one day build project, like, you know, and like, could you, I guess my full extrapolation is like, how far could you take this? Like to like how many one day build projects could you just like have as a, I don't know, as a company, is is that a viable strategy for product development? You know, trying to think in those terms, you know? So even if, yeah, even if it's not, I think the goal then is if it's a bigger project than that, how, how far can you slice it up? Mm -hmm. Can you make little bits of, you know, can a card, can a task be a one day task? Yeah. Uh, Cause I think like it or not, there's going to be people that work for you that, that thrive on that type of thing. And you need to set things up for them or let them work in that way. If they, yeah, can. the one day PR, let's call it. Yeah. There's planners too. planners want plan. Right. And so like, if I'm like, no, I'll only work on the one day bill when I think I've, I've done all the thinking for it. You know, that doesn't help everybody. You know, I don't know. It's, it's just interesting to me. I, I think I'm like getting a lot of this idea of one day builds, you know, and, and, you know, rapid iteration, problem solving. You're just like, here we go. We're just doing it, you know, but even stuff like I'm going to fix my off, clean up my office. Like that would be a one day build project, you know, organize my crap or, and then I'm more relaxed when I go to work, you know, like that's probably worth it. You know, like the intangible stuff where I'm going to, I don't know, whatever, clean up the repo, finally get, well, you're, if you mess with any config files, it's going to take a year, but like, I'm finally going to get the, the workspace, the the code editor set up how I want it, you know? Um, anyway, be interesting. More one-day builds. That's what I'm after. I like it. Discord's doing pretty good. Join us on Patreon. At, uh, we have, have some new faces in there. Very cool. Great, great bloggers. Um, hot drama is one of my favorite things. My what? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I was just saying, like, Discord, you know, we're, we haven't been doing a lot of ads, so the Discord community is really helping us get through the old, uh, getting through the old summer here. So the 2023. So we it appreciate is indeed. It, so. Yeah, earlier this year we're like we're not going to do ads, and then we ended up doing some ads. So <laughs> there you go, because uh, it was a little unsustainable to do zero ads, being that we right. pay for transcripts and we pay for editing, and there's some hosting costs and stuff like that. I, it would be a little too net negative to do absolutely nothing right uh, but the discord goes a long way in helping out thanks thanks for that um the hot drama channel is one of my favorites there's a spicy little uh zach leatherman mastodon post in there about kind of tracking the um it wasn't just him he just he he had saw various people saying things about uh gatsby uh that was acquired by netlify earlier this year a little uh, totally unsurprising to me it's a little dead ski yeah, uh, I think so. Zach was kind of wondering, I guess, like earlier this month, I think he was just like, what's up with Gatsby? And, you know, I, I'm sure there's like some weird blood between like Nellify, Gatsby, Eleventy, like, you know, like very soon after the Gatsby acquisition, Eleventy stopped sponsoring Eleventy uh, development, uh, but um, which is whatever. I don't know anyone's books or anything, but the... Um, but then I think Fred K 
Shot, who's no stranger to hot drama himself, very frequent, frequent hot drama mm. channel uh, member. Uh, subject. Love Fred. Uh, he's a little spicy sometimes. Yeah, he's he's got a propensity for spicy. But uh, he was just saying there's zero commits to Gatsby in the last 24 days, you know. And uh, then there's like follow-up tweets and it's just like all the Gatsby folks are basically gone. So like what's happening there? So I don't know, man. What what do you think? Oh, well, Let's things have on. a things have a lifespan. I don't expect the things gone forever. I didn't use it anyway. What do I care? Yeah, um, that's true. Am I super sad for anybody that uses Gatsby? Even then, not really. I mean, it, 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 does your website work? Yeah. Well, fine then. I don't know. What, what's it? If there's a huge security problem or something, that could be a bummer. But we haven't seen that happen yet, and maybe maybe there is something in place that would fix it if that was the case. Again, we don't know, so why invent drama out of nothing? And it, right. it, Gatsby's been on the decline for years. What did you expect to happen? A huge bounce back? Yeah, no. I, I wonder if that acquisition was more like a fire sale that's what i've secretly wondered but or not so secretly wondered but you know but yeah you know, that they, was no secret when it came out it was it was a they got some it wasn't just gatsby there was other projects involved with it yeah and the, who knows they could have bought it for a dollar we don't know it we was undisclosed know. yeah undisclosed so you don't know just so i would i yeah i've said it multiple times but i wish we used like home real estate uh lingo for for uh acquisitions and you know mergers like it was a short sale it was a foreclosure it was a mm. you know something like that but i would but anyway i don't care actually I, that, well that's the kind of thing we talk about in the discord though kind of fun people always sharing hot drama links part of the culture of the shop talk show i'd say yeah, we got to get the hot drama cooking. So, oh, it's fun for that kind of thing. Absolutely, the gear channel is super expensive uh, because somebody will post something and then you have to buy it. Basically, that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not a lot of super inexpensive things in the gear channel. I'll no, say. gear yeah. channel is uh, pretty. Uh, it'll cost you. So that was a, an expensive adventure. We all we're all going on. Uh, old Simeon Griggs here from the. Um, from the mailbag, Ooh, yes. I wanted this is a this isn't super new. I've been keeping to to, to uh, keep wanting to bring this one up because I think there's a new term in here that I really like. Yeah, his new uh, uh, thing is I have a new marketing tactic called the spicy slug. What do you think? I used to do this once in a while, and I, I think if I ever you know started in a new CSS tricks or something, which is of course something I, I'm required to fantasize about in, in, in the future, I would have like a pre-commit or a pre-publish button thing. You know, WordPress supports this too. I'm sure other CMSs do too, is before, before you're actually allowed to hit publish or you hit publish and then it runs some checks. And then it's like, did you, you know, did you do the SEO stuff? Did you get the social media set up correctly on this? Did you blah, blah, blah? One of them would be, did you give it a spicy slug? A Ooh. slug being the URL thing, mm -hmm. uh, you know? So I, how does yours work? So do, do you, can you pick it exactly? Do you have to pick it or does it auto generate it based on the title of? I can pick it. I can pick it whatever I want. Um, it's just, it's basically the file name in like a static it's the site. the file genre. name. Yeah. Oh, so, so the title of the blog i see i see so you pick it by naming the file and the name of the file has nothing to do with the title of the post yeah i could i could like name it whatever 
React is stupid and then it's about like view or something, you know? <laughs> so you have to pick the slug. You have no choice because you have to name the file. So you have to pick the yeah. slug. Yeah, yeah. That's not cool. So your your latest post here about chips, real good blogging, Dave. Thanks. I, Thanks. I, I channeled my inner Chris Coyer a little bit. Yeah. I was Ooh, kinda, I was this just... is what I'm here for. So. <laughs> You had to name a file quick dash thoughts dash on dash chips dot MD or spaces. Maybe who knows what the little internal machine does to make mm -hmm. a URL compatible. Mm -hmm. And then but you just happen to name this blog post quick thoughts on chips, too. But you could have just named it chips dot MD and then the slug would have been chips. Yep. Yep. And so I use a tool called Jek Jekyll Publish. Or, and yeah. so I can type like Bundle exec Jekyll, which I have a shortcut called Jek, J-E-K, Jek draft. And then I do quotes and say quick thoughts on chips. And then it'll create drafts, quick thoughts on chips. And then I yeah. can say Jek publish drafts, quick thoughts on chips. And it will go through and add like the published date. And then it'll like prepend the, the date to the URL too, because you need that in Jekyll, like the... Like uh -huh. 2023, whatever, 820, you know. Oh, so, yeah. So. Okay. So that date comes from like physical. The file name. Yeah. Say. Okay. So, yeah. So that's just the, the limitation of like file base. But I just, I have this little tool called Jekyll Publish, I think is what it's called there. Uh, and yeah, that's just cool. kind of automates that. But, and I would write that bash script for anything I use, I think, you know, I would just like, if I switch to Astro or if I switch to 11D, I would absolutely report that script over to something. Yeah. You know? So. Oh, interesting. That's a little difference between me. I would, I would, I would find some other way to do it. That's not like I, I could write the batch script if I have to, but I'd probably be like, "Ooh, I'm going to do it in Raycast or something, just, just on purpose to avoid the damn command line." Oh yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, Raycast would actually be a really good option. But I felt anyway. Not to turn this in the Raycast show. I feel like Raycast is really bad at surfing my file system. I feel like it just like files. I would like to not I've do heard that. that. Didn't, so. Wasn't Josh saying in the Discord that that it's uh, that the other one is better? Alfred is better. Alfred, I feel like Alfred is better at files, like file surfing. So yeah, because I'll like even like look for a file I know the name of, you know, and it's like, did you mean uh, Xcode project? <laughs> Uh, you know, sample.xcode, you know, and I'm just like, no, <laughs> no buddy, I no. don't use that one. Okay, did you mean header.c? <laughs> like, you know, it, yeah. no, I didn't mean that one, guy, no. So. <laughs> so. Well, anyway, the spicy slug, though, just to f come full circle, is when you don't, you know, pick the obvious slug for your blog post. Like, Dave, you should have picked, for example, eat Doritos outside, or eat yeah. nacho cheese Doritos outside. And then and that way it's almost like a it's not spicy in this case. It's just kind of like an extra little bonus content. It's almost like the alt text of a XKCD comic or something. Or yeah. You? I like it. I like that. Cause occasionally I'll see people's spicy slugs, like like <laughs> like I think what uh, Josh, I'm gonna uh Collinsworth, uh triple threat. Uh if you go to his uh, things you forgot or never knew because of React, which was very hot drama, uh, very good post. Uh, but if the the spicy slug is antiquated React, so 
that's uh, a perfect spicy slug, you know? Yeah, it got me. I was like, uh-huh, I'm going to click it, you know? So, um, yeah, it was. That makes me think of the, because it's pretty short. It makes me think of the opposite sometimes, too, when people pick like a ridiculously long slug that's like an entire sentence. Or a short slug and then make the blog post ridiculously long. I feel like once every six months, you should do like the blog post where it, the entire paragraph is in the title field, you know? I think that's oh. fun. That's good. That should be. I do have one. Uh, Can't do it too much because people will just unsubscribe. But it's just a little eye catcher, you know. It's like if you could make the title orange. Well, you can't, but you can do this. I have a post I'm working on. Been working on it for months. Um, it's called MDX with Web Components, and it um, the the post is. I'll read it to you here. Um, just use regular Markdown. So. <laughs> <laughs> because Markdown supports HTML and web components are HTML. So why the hell do you need MDX is the point? Yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah, you don't need all that junk. You just script tag and go. So there you I go. I always was surprised by it because part of me is like, oh my God, some people that really lean into MDX hard, and I'm thinking of what's his name? Josh Komau. Yeah, Great. Yeah. This blog is amazing. And he puts all these incredible interactive demos inside of it and it feels like react it feels like josh made a little react component with all its little use states and sliders and you know makes a little interactive thing and then he gets a chance to slot it into a blog post because mdx Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be it could you could have done that same thing with with a web component you know yeah a little isolated interactive component works anywhere yada yada yeah, I mean, there's. It's just a place to bind some interactivity, you know. And uh, anyway, it's just a little, a silly little joke. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, let's make blogs weird again. You know, just post post weird things. Yeah. Uh, your thesis on chips. <laughs> so mm-hmm. whatever you got going on. Well, you know, there's so much um, change. And CSS, mm-hmm. just to change the subject, just a, a tiny little bit. That the, yeah, you, you see it asked a lot, you know, like every other month you hear Jen Simmons asking around. So correctly as her job is asking for feedback. I'm like, now what's next? You know, she's always like, this is what we ship. Look at all of this amazing stuff. What next? What do you want to see? What do you want to see? What do you want to see? I feel like she's constantly building and refining lists of what real world web designers want, you know, and you see that yeah. from Google folks too. We got it from Adam the other day, like, okay, what what do you want? What what kind of UI can we help build better and that kind of thing? I'm uh, happy to chime in with what's ever on my mind, you know, just only because we tend to get it. So like, it's usually worth a little brain power in, uh, in saying it because, you know, the last few years, it's like, wow, ask and you shall receive, huh? Uh, one of the ones I mentioned the last the time he asked, it occurred to me, I can't remember why exactly, but they were on my mind again, is, is, is regions. There was a weird little period in CSS history where Adobe was was when they were doing kind of web standard Z work. Seems like more than they do now. I don't know if that's fair or not, but they were they had a little period in Adobe's life where they were a little hot and heavy with being involved with standards and browsers and stuff. And it made sense that Adobe was working on it because think of a tool like Adobe InDesign, which mm-hmm. is famous for pr- doing something like a book layout, multi-page thing. If you're going to, you know, the printing world lives in this. Oh, I need a, I'm going to do a 16-page, you know, 
printed, full-color, foldable, saddle-stitched thing about health insurance, and I'm going to mail it out to, you know, people between 60 and 70 years old, you know, whatever. That was the world I lived in for a long time. There's only one piece of software left anymore that <laughs> people do that in, and it's Adobe InDesign, you know? Yeah. I don't know if that's entirely fair. You know, Quark lived in that world for a long time. It might still exist. Corel probably not. Four. Sure, yeah. <laughs> But there's a, a fundamental thing that's built into software like that is flow. Mm -hmm. I can make a text box anywhere the heck I want and make another text box totally somewhere else in a document on a different page. It has the concept of pages. And I can just draw a line between them and say, when the text leaves that one box, go flow into this other box. Mm -hmm. It's just not even seemingly not even difficult thing for that piece of software to do. They just wrote the software to do that. It makes perfect sense. Uh, of course, when you're laying out a book, if you edit a paragraph on page three, it pushes the flow of the book further. It might even make another page if it needs to. It's just very natural, normal thing to do when, when setting something like a book or a brochure or anything like that. And that's what, uh, that's what Adobe was working on is they, they crafted up some CSS properties and values that said, hey, this element, when it overflows, flow into this other element. That was back e kind of even before we had CSS Grid. I think it was being thought about in terms of CSS Grid even then. But it didn't have to be. It wasn't a prerequisite. Yeah, I want to say like 2011-ish is where I'm yeah. putting it. And, yeah. Oh, gosh. Was it that long ago? Wow. Even then, though, uh, or, but now that we have CSS Grid, now it makes a lot more sense. Like wouldn't, I mean, or at least some more sense to me. Like this grid area should flow to this other grid area, even if it's as simple as, a, you know, a left side and a right side. Mm -hmm. like, a, like, a, like a book would be. So I, I I thought it had legs then. I was sad about it the whole time it was gone. I don't think anybody's working on it, but it's on my little list as far mm -hmm. as like things I'd like to see CSS do. I'm sure it's very complicated. I have no doubt that this is no small task, although probably smaller in scope than, say, container queries, which we got. So, you know, maybe all that will kind of happen. But then it got me thinking about, OK, well, what do people do when they want to put a book online then now? And I think about it because like, let's say in my future someday I decide to write a book. I'm going to do it on the web because I'm a web guy and I like the idea of you know, writing in Markdown or something. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I, I, but I also like the idea of like a page. Like, why can't I make a page, say, Dave, 50, uh, you know, on a, on a desktop anyway, like 50 viewport units wide, you know, I don't, because I'm trying to limit the line length, you know, like a single column kind of thing, but then have a top and a bottom to the page, not just infinite flow, like an article, but I'm looking at a page and then I can scroll down and then there's another page. Like I want a white box and then a little divide in between and then another white box. Like I want the flow to go from the white box on top to the white box on the bottom. There's really no way to do that. There's no way to say flow from this box to that box. Mm -hmm. I just think that would be kind of nice. Because when, it, like, if you had just like a grid column interrupted by decorators or whatever you want to do, you know, like, It'd be cool if like content could just flow to the next box rather than like you wrapping another div to like explicitly chuck in a thing. Yeah. Like you could create a vertical rhythm that you couldn't otherwise, you know. I always wanted it for like ads, like to push ads to a different place. Like, I don't know, like 
Um, like in this viewport, the ad block is only, you know, a thousand pixels uh, or 10, uh, 200 pixels tall. So if your content's more than that, let's just push it down. You get pushed to the next block or whatever, you know, like. Um, right. I, I I had like a bunch of ideas at the time. I feel like it got killed. I was going to post an article. The, do you remember the a list of part article by uh, Hakam William Lee, the, the one of the guys who made CSS? Mm-hmm. And he said, CSS regions considered harmful in 2014. Oh, I, did, I remember. I did not like this post, and I was very mad. I think I made some enemies. <laughs> I was very disrespectful to one of the guys who made CSS. Um, Me too. Opera had a competing spec. I think he was at Opera, right? CTO of Opera. Um, Opera had a competing spec for, I for like paged content, basically. Like you basically like would say like or CSS multicolumn, but you'd be basically they had the thing where you could be like, this is page two, this is page three. You know, I, I was like, I don't. Why are we advocating for a thing that doesn't exist? when regions is, is in a browser, like you could use it in, in, I guess WebKit was probably where it was used or when Chrome was on WebKit probably, but like we had like a prototype of it and then it just got shot down and it was just like, man, we are so close to having it, you know, like, I don't know. You could just say like, here's, here's a content brick and here's a ad brick. And now you just go figure it out website. <laughs> like that would be cool. Right. So but they don't didn't allow that, so I was that that post kind of cut the sales. I feel like that was a I don't know. It did, you know. And I'll admit, maybe dude was right. I don't know. I can't, you know, you can't a b test the past or whatever, like they say. So, yeah. But still, I want it now. I want it ten years later. Uh, interesting one. I I I put a GitHub repo here to um, a little piece of tech from Robin Sloan. Great author. I really like Robin. He wrote this wonderful book, Mr. Penumbra's midnight bookstore or something like that. 24 hour bookshop. Yeah. 24 hour bookshop. Yeah. And then wrote another book in that universe has written other books, makes olive oil. I don't know. I feel like I've given this intro a number of times, but I just, I just, he just gives off good vibes to me. Uh, and a little bit of a, a coder as well. I just think uh, how fun is that to read a book from somebody that actually knows technology, you know, like, and writes it and publishes it and has, open source repos. It's I just think that's cool. Anyway, has this demo one called perfect edition. That's like, Hey, let's say you were going to publish a book uh, on the web. Wouldn't it be nice to start with somebody who's thought about this to some degree? And the, the approach that Robin took with this GitHub repo called perfect edition. Again, we'll link it up is to use the multi-column CSS layout. So rather, because that does have kind of like rectangle to rectangle flow, yeah, but yeah. horizontally, not any other way. And right. so you can kind of just say columns auto mm-hmm. and it will just make as many columns. It'll make 5,000 columns if it needs to, you know, whatever, yeah, as yeah, long yeah. as there's enough width there to handle it. So there's probably a little JavaScript or something that helps with width. I don't even know. Maybe it doesn't. And then all this thing does is like bind like the space bar and clicks and stuff to shift the page over you know, and kind of like gray out the edges of the of the of the column that you're not viewing right now. So it looks it's okay. pretty lightweight and a pretty kind of a 
cool looking way to present a book. That's the kind of thing I'm interested in. If you write a book, I feel I just kind of feel like the the presentation of it should look book like. Mm-hmm. That you should have like a design opportunity to make it feel a little different than you're just like reading a long blog post. Right. Yeah. I I, I agree with you. I, I don't know. I you know who uh, Adactio does some books, right? Resilient web design. And oh, stuff that's like right. That. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I just, yeah, it would be nice if you had a little more, you know, style control or a little more book like vibes yeah. than just a, a long column of text, you know? What so. I, you know, I thought I'd do it. This all barely qualifies as a book, but I, I wanted to do something related to CSS tricks. So at one point, I did like a, a the greatest CSS tricks that I call it volume one for CSS tricks, thinking I'd do multiple versions of them over time. But it ended up just being a little bit more blog post-like, you know, I just grouped mm-hmm. up the best ones, gave it a little bit of a unique design, but never really solved the, like how to present that each chapter u- uniquely. I was overall pleased with it though, especially the writing process. I just really like writing in the, mm-hmm. the tools that I already know rather than having to write in Markdown, which I don't do very often, or write in in design or something like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, resilient web design. Yeah, we should link that up too. Pretty cool. Uh, our, our, our our another friend of the show, uh, Matt Marquis, his JavaScript for web designers book for a book apart was recently published mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on the web as well, and does have a very kind of cool book like feel to it. Um, but does just do this long single column down the middle feel miraculously typeset like pretty much exactly like the book is yeah it's beautiful makes me wonder like did they did they set it on the web and then yeah good question convert it to print or did somebody who or did somebody set it for print and then and then replicated it pretty darn nicely on the web but it looks great yeah no it looks wonderful yeah the the Column of content isn't bad, you know, especially if you're like reading on an iPad or whatever, you know, but I could also see yeah. like, oh, I refreshed or whatever, close the browser and now I'm back at the top. Like, where was I, you know, I have to scroll down. That's the up. thing. Yeah. What do you keep the tab open or what? Not that like regions helps with that necessarily, but yeah, uh, it's just stuck in my mind that like to design a page feels so nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I want that somehow on the web. Yeah. We should shout out Mr. Mr. Ethan has a has a new book. You, Ethan has a new book. You deserve a tech union. Congratulations, buddy. Um, I'm sure that was a, a a big journey. You know, Ethan, of course, known for the invention of responsive web design, wrote a couple books and lots, and has spoken endlessly on that subject. Now, doing something very different and talking about you know the industry and the labor movement and stuff, just super different. So I imagine that's tough yeah i just started reading it this weekend i mean so far so good so it, it's it's interesting I, i'd love to have him on here and talk to him about it but because it, it, it's it's this weird like tangential thing like where you know obviously most places don't have a union and they build websites just fine but like what would it be like if more places had it you know like and that's something interesting to think about you know would it be more ethical, more equitable, more, you know, like, you know, and is that the right move for the industry? I don't know. You know, it's, I'm sure people have predispositions, politically charged predispositions. So 
uh, I am lucky yeah. to sit right in the middle. So, and I live in a state that like won't let you have one, I guess. But or it's a right to work state. I'm pretty middly too. My my dad yeah. was a union union boss, using union president of his his local for a while, which predisposes me to thinking that that is all a good idea. Fought for people's jobs was a very big deal to, to him and in, in his life. Yeah, to sometimes uh, run this small business, and I'm not opposed to it. I just don't I don't feel like particularly attached to all that. You know, like are my are my four employees going to make a union? I mean, I, I guess. I yeah. Well, I think about like the SAG-AFTRA thing going on or a WGA Writers Guild thing going on, you know. Um, we're in a weird state where like movie TV production has been paused. So we're just going to have this really weird dearth of movies. Even like when it starts like cycling back up again, it's going to take a while, you know, like. There's not going to be new content till like 2024, you know? And so... Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day, though. Does it just mean that YouTube is going to kick ass, though? Or that there'll be a lot better podcasts or well, something? Well, Milf Island or whatever is going to come out. And it's just, you know, reality shows kind of fill the mm. gap, you know? Um, so I think, like, it'll be... Or there's probably some stuff that's, like, half cooked, you know? They started on something and then had to shut down or whatever, you know? But... Um, but anyway, but it's just interesting how like one of the points they're arguing about is like, should AI be able to take my job? You know, like, you know, like if I'm an extra in this thing, you don't just get to use my face in any movie you want, you know, like. And so but the like movie execs are like, you know, it'd be cheap is like not paying extras, you know, <laughs> and I'm just like, dang, that's a hard I, like business wise, I'm like, yeah, randomly generated people is a lot easier than like sourcing humans to come show up and paychecks and SAG credits and stuff like that. But then it's also just like, if you're an actor and you're like, I, I did one movie and now I'm in a thousand movies and I don't get paid for it. That stinks. You know, that's, anyway, <sighs> uh, that that's illegal. I don't know. That's wrong. So anyway, it's just weird what they're fighting over. And I don't know. It's, I think it's good. They're, they're having the big fight about AI and all that, you know, accreditation and, you know, Sarah Silverman's fighting for like, you can't just use my, my voice and tone later. Like I'm going to sue you. So very interesting times we live in. So but they couldn't, they wouldn't be able to do that without a union, you know, like they would have to get everybody to get upset, you know, <laughs> like, Hey, everyone sign this petition to say you're upset, you know, and movie stars are. That's a very good point. It just, you just, and the, any leverage that they have now, and even now it doesn't, it's like a struggle to get it to work. Man, if you didn't have that, which is about as strong arm as you can possibly be, and it's still not like obviously working. Way, yeah, that would have never worked before. Yeah, yeah, you'd have no tools in the tool chest to to fight a higher up decision, you know. So yeah, hmm, very yeah. interesting. So well, let's play. We have an audio one here from great question asker Simi de Clerk here. I think we'll play it for the show. Disclaimer: I'm a hobby developer who's worked mostly with React and Node.js and a little bit with Flask and Jinja. I'd love to hear your thoughts on component libraries like React or Vue versus templating languages like PHP 
rails and ginger slash flask. My sense is that they're very similar in that both are ways of expressing hydrogen data into HTML and both have composition concepts. I get that component libraries update the DOM dynamically, whereas templating languages traditionally update the DOM through full page refreshes only. But is that the only real difference? I get the sense that component libraries also lean somewhat harder into the use many components and compose them together mindset, whereas that is present in templating languages, but not as encouraged. Or is that just my perception because I'm not that familiar with the templating language world? This came to mind for me again recently with the hype around Next13 and React Server components. The Next13 marketing is self-aware that they've sort of now recreated PHP or Rails, but with React as a templating language. However, even there, it feels like there's a bit of subtext of, we've been using React for so many years and we've only just recently realized that we could use it as a backend templating language because it's very similar. Finally, while on Next13, their marketing had the, see, now Next13 is just like PHP or Ruby feel. But here I felt like they could have leaned a little bit more into the, yes, it's a backend templating language now like Rails, but it still has the dynamic client components and smooth page transitions by default of React and Next of old. Keen to hear your thoughts on all of this. Love the show. Cheers, Simi. Can you do exactly what you can do in Vue in PHP aside from the DOM, the, the like the live DOM stuff? I feel like so I had to look at so. I had to look it up while Simi was asking. But so Jinja is a Python based like templating language, and I Flask I think is a wrapper around that to make it I guess. A little more, I guess, routing, uh, adding features like that, redirects. So it's a bit of a meta framework around the templating system of Jinja. Is that okay? Do sure. We is all feel like, pretty good. Yep. Like <laughs> like you can use Nunjux and then Eleven D is a wrapper around it to make it more useful. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. Um, in this is, you know, it's kind of a mustachy style, you know, syntax for Python. So, um, yeah. Okay. There. So now you're going to build a website. You're going to build a, a website for book reviews. So you're going to have a, a template called book and a book is going to have the, the photo and the review and the star rating and the publisher and the date published and all this kind of information about it. If you're going to write that in view, you're going to just make some ch choices about how to break that up into smaller components. You might have a book cover component. You might have a date component that does specific things for the date. I feel like you'd make some choices about how to break that up. And, and I, I think this is what Simi's wondering. And I, I've been long curious about the same questions. Like, do you make the same choices when you're doing it with a server side only component thing? And I think you don't, and I don't know why exactly, but I, I've tried to think this way. Like, I think if you've looked at the code for the friggin' Shop Talk Show website, which is WordPress, you'd see me trying to break the thing up into tiny reusable components. Like, I have a, a you know a folder that I just called like 
components maybe or parts. Sometimes I call it parts. Yeah, parts, yeah. And I try to make little PHP templates that I can then call. But unfortunately, you know, not, not unfortunately, but a little bit unfortunately, like there's no there's no like ESM for PHP, you know, you just call an include statement, but the include statement doesn't give you the opportunity to pass in props really. So you're like setting global variables and then calling the template and letting the global variables populate what happens in the template. That's changed a bit. I think there's answers to that, but it's just different. Like because it doesn't give you quite the component ergonomics like you'd get in view you end up just deciding to break it up differently yeah i was gonna say that like the the sort of the addition of props which exists in some things like jekyll includes can accept props a little known fact but they're cool um but like you know if I, i have a star rating component for my book review right uh ideally i go star rating and then i just pass it a number one, two, three, four, five, maybe 4.5. And then the component figures it out. Whereas like in PHP or a big loop, like you're just going to, it's almost like explicit versus implicit assignment. Like you're sort of like just saying like, Hey, I expect this to be in the post loop. And so I'm just going to call post and hope that shows up, you know? And so like, um, and, and whereas like in a, a, JS component, you're more like, hey, no, the post is this post. Like, I'm going to send that whole thing down to you. Or more accurately, I'm just going to send you the number five and you just show me what right. like, what five stars looks like. I think like. that's so. just better. I hate to say it, but it just is. I think that well, that Well, it means you can is- use your, your star rating outside of the post loop, you know? Like, you could right. use it on your user rating or your comment, you know, rating. Right. And, and so, like, you're not, like... It dodges a variable naming, like all the variable naming is at that component level. So I think you architect it a little more differently. You get a little more usability. Yeah. Um, You know, Ruby helped a little bit more because they were eventually started taking local. They even had a different name for it, but it's essentially a local variable that you pass to a whatever their version of include is. It wasn't called include, a a partial. Ruby partial. Yeah. Yeah. Herb. Or a little bit better. Or, you you know, in PHP, you could write a function. You could write a function called show book or something. And show book would take parameters that then you accept it and that you would just assume that it returns HTML, I guess. <laughs> I didn't feel like anybody did that, though. Or, yeah, I mean, but that's essentially what the JavaScript's doing is it creates a it component is. that accepts these parameters and then renders yeah. out, basically. Um so yeah, I mean it's 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 different but the same sort of it's like breaking up stuff into smaller chunks. Yes, that is it. Uh but is it but but the component mentality sort of inverts the what do they call it the the inversion of control uh and and you basically are just sort of like saying explicitly this has 5 stars, 4.5 stars. You're not saying like hey just assume post is in this loop and render that out. So I don't know enough about Jinja or Flask to know if they cover that for you. Maybe maybe they allow props and maybe it's exactly the same, but um, that would be the big distinction, I think, for me. So Yeah. 
I want to I want to ask GitHub how many star dash rating dot PHP files are there on all of GitHub and how many star dash rating dot JS files are there on all of GitHub. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's yeah, probably be. a 1000 to 1 or so. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's just a guess, but I I feel like the same way is that the JavaScript leans into that a little a little harder and especially now that you know typescript and the the what you pass in can be typed and, blah, and all that yeah yeah okay well that's it's, it's fun to think about yeah um that's why i think that's why i was thought like i don't know that wordpress should lean into that harder like i want to build sites with components for crying out loud yeah well hey have a have you heard the good news about web components? <laughs> so, yeah. All right. We need to do another web you components. You just get a show. flavor of components, but you can still write your PHP or, or whatever, your other stuff, all the same. So, anyway. Yeah. I do, but even SSR though I, like, I advocate for web components, I do have still have questions. So, anyway, maybe need somebody on the all show. All right. Too. Well, good stuff. We got through many things. Got through some questions. Uh, hey, as usual, send us your questions, everybody, or your hot dramas. We appreciate that. We'll talk about that. Uh, if you got some spicy slugs we need to know about, please uh, send those over. We enjoy those. And uh, follow us uh, on the X or the Mastodon. I really don't know anymore. And then join us over in the Discord. Uh, oh, I just realized. Uh, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter changed tweet deck, which was how I tweeted out the shop talk stuff. So we might not be able to tweet anymore. But anyway, uh, we'll figure that out uh, as time goes on. But then, uh, yeah, but join us in the Discord. That's where things are happening. Patreon.com slash shop talk show. Chris, you got anything else yeah. you'd like to say? Nah, just that shop talk show.com. 